0: I used to be a pastor, now a teacher, and one of the really cool things about being a teacher is I get to drive every day to school with my son, Clayton. We go to the same school. I teach fifth grade. He's in third grade. His classroom is actually right across the hall from mine, and we drive down Kelly Drive um, in Philly. It's a beautiful drive. Get to see the river, the people doing like the crew boats. It's like so picturesque. It's, it's, it's honestly a gift every morning to ride with him and see all the things that we see. And recently, just like Philadelphia, um, apartments are popping up everywhere. Even where you don't think they can pop up, they're popping up. And we were driving down the road, and Clayton said, what's going on? Like, what's happening there? I'm like, oh, that building's under construction. You see the signs. You see the covering. And it just made me think, I think sometimes our lives are under construction, too. And the interesting thing about when something is under construction, it's either to build something new or to restore something old. Maybe some of us are going through one of those seasons. Maybe God wants to build something new and we're under construction, or maybe God wants to restore something and that needs to go under construction. What season are you in this day? 1 Thessalonians 5.23 talks about this, the God of peace who wants to make you whole. Whole, mind, body, and soul. That idea of whole is like completeness. I think in those moments, mind when maybe our thoughts are anxious, we're overwhelmed, maybe we need moments where our mind's under construction. We need to guard what's in our mind, we need to protect it, maybe. Not think certain things or talk to certain people. It's under construction. Our bodies. Maybe there's times when our body goes through a season when it's under construction. Can't help but think during this. is a time we've seen them fasting, getting them ready for Easter. Um, many times there's those moments in our lives where we, we don't do the things we normally do. Our bodies are under construction. then soul. Um, meditating and praying and worshiping. Those times when our bodies are under Construction, mind, body, and soul all matters to God. And He's the God of peace. He wants to give you those things. A lot of times, it's interesting talking to God about, to young people, a lot of times they have this idea that God's always mad at them. That they do something wrong and then there's a heavenly consequence. And it's amazing how sometimes that idea sticks with us as we get older too. Why does this happen? Well, I must have done something wrong in my life, or my parents did something wrong in my life, or, um, this, that, and the third. But God is not angry at you. God is not out to get you. He just wants to bring you peace and wholeness. And we need to trust His way and how He works. Because when I look, when Clayton was looking at that building on construction, he didn't see a building that's yet to be built. He just saw a wreck, a mess. And sometimes when we look at our lives, we see the same thing, a wreck, a mess. But God brings a reason to the wreck. There's a purpose behind it. It's interesting. Um, Washington Post had an article recently about five words to practice for self-care. You know, these moments when self-care is a big deal these days, how to just take care of your body, how to take care of your mind. We live in an anxious time. So Washington Post had this article, five words to practice for self-care. When when I initially saw the title of the article, I was thinking of What are these words? Peace, love, hope. You know, I was thinking about these like real spiritual, like fruits of the spirit, you know? But it's actually the question. And the question was this What do I need now? That was the five words for self care. And it makes me think of a time when Jesus came to visit Mary and Martha. And the question I think really comes to fruition in the context of Mary and Martha when Jesus comes to visit them, because what do I need now? I think sometimes in those moments we can get lost in doing when we're feeling anxious and overwhelmed, we do 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 do, or we can become become more like Jesus. And in the story, we see one person consumed with doing, and we saw another person consumed with becoming. I think when what do we need now? I think it's less doing and it's more becoming. Let's take a look at this passage in Luke 10. uh, Luke 10, verse 38 to 41. Very, very popular passage about Mary and Martha. And we're gonna dive deep into this and break it down a little bit. So here we go. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem. They came across a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. I just want to pause there for a second. As Jesus and the disciples was continue, Jesus is never in a rush. I me mean, think about that for a second. All the places that Jesus went, all the people that Jesus managed to do, which was a lot, there's never this sense of urgency. And then Jesus and the disciples rush to Jerusalem. And then they rush to Capernaum like it was almost like this, Jesus had this time, this rhythm, this pace, and Jesus was able to be interruptible. You know, it, it, there's a sense that Jesus never was late, losing his keys, rushing in traffic, you know, and isn't it interesting that when you're in a rush, everyone drives slower when you're in a rush, you know? I don't know if that's true, you know, and you catch every red light, It seems like everything just just is stopping, and you're like, why can't everyone rush with me? Like, go through that yellow light. Yellow light means speed up, not slow down. You know, but it's, it's us. It's our perception. When we rush, it distorts how we see things. Jesus never rushed, and I'm grateful for that. He had that calming pace, that, like, Mr. Rogers pace. You know, you watch Mr. Rogers, that show just had a pace to it. Um, definitely not Sesame uh, sure. Street. I think all the people who love Sesame Street—they're probably the high-paced, high-action. You know, they want—you they, know—they just want things happen, happen, happen. But uh, I not Jesus. And Jesus didn't rush for a reason. So, continuing this this passage, his sister Mary, her sister Mary, sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister doesn't even say her name, says her sister, you know you're bad at someone when you don't say their name? My wife, my sister, that child, that student. you know, my sister. And he, she just went above it, above, didn't talk to her sister, and went right to Jesus. Lord, doesn't it seem unfair that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come help me. But the Lord said to her, My dear Martha. Like Jesus, he just is able to deflate any situation. You know, he's just what This is why I love Jesus. Just how he handles people. How he handles us. It's so different from other Christians or other people that we may know. It's just, Jesus just has a way to just get right to our hearts. My dear Martha. He just changes the energy right there. You are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being. See that word again? Being concerned about. Mary has discovered it. And it will not be taken away from her. Ah, Jesus. I love how he stands up for people. And breaks cultural norms. I love how he affirms Mary, and he doesn't shame Martha. You know, he's like, "This is what she chose. You can choose this too, if you want to." He just has a way. Oh, so good. Well, let's let's break this down a little bit. Um, Jefferson Life has a book called "To Hell with Hustle," and it talks about how hustle can really be a evil way of living. He says this in his book. Jesus was never in a hurry. Jesus was fully human and the prototype for all humanity. And I think we can pretty easily see that he was somewhat actively resisting cultural pressures. Aren't you glad that Jesus stands outside culture then and now? It just makes me love Jesus even more. Actively resisting cultural pressures on many levels. This was a cultural pressure in this moment. The culture said women work and do. Mary was B. She was stepping out of the cultural norm. She was with the disciples. She was a disciple, and Jesus affirmed that. I love how Jesus elevated who she was, despite how other people may have saw her. And is it interesting how Mary saw her as one of those disciples? Jesus sees you how you really are, not how society wants you to be. Acting and resisting cultural pressures on many levels, especially here when it comes to women's roles. Hustle isn't in him. and And if hustle isn't in him, there's only one place it can come from, and that is hell, the curse, the source of death. If the enemy is not going to get you to stumble, he's going to make you hustle. It's amazing how sometimes, when we're busy, we lose the, the ability to care. Think about it. When you're in a rush, are you interruptible? Are you able to have give your full attention to someone? And a lot of times, in those moments when we're busy, it's about us. The validation, the accomplishment. It's actually a drug. Every time we hit and do a task, there's a little dopamine hit. And we get addicted to that, that hit of, of dopamine. And although they feel good, we're actually breaking our bodies down, because we, because we cannot stop. You know, ever since the beginning, God modeled rest. Created the world and humanity in six and rested. Not because he had to, but because we have to. And he modeled that for us. We need to rest. Jesus was never in a hurry. He continued. You know, in the Gospels, it mentions that Jesus withdrew to rest and pray 30 times. It's mentioned that Jesus went away. If Jesus is the model of who we're supposed to be, and Jesus got away to go under construction, where he was away to rest and pray, what? Why Why can't we? And there's times when Jesus went away that only a few people had access to him. You know, we think of something that's under construction. Not anyone can go in and see what's happening. It's not for everyone to have access to. There's times in our lives where we need to be under construction. Certain people can only have access. It's okay to say no. They will get over and you can pray with them. Thoughts and prayers will be okay. If they love you, they'll come back. You know, my mom used to say, back in the day, you know, before cell phones and all that kind of stuff, It's important, they'll call back, right? I'm like, Mom, I I was waiting for that call. So it's important they'll call back. Listen, if they love you, they'll come back. And if they love you, they'll respect your no. If they don't respect you, no, there's problem. Alright, Jesus withdrew and prayed. It's okay to have those seasons where we withdraw and we put up our under construction signs. Mary was able to say no. She said no to Martha. It doesn't say in the scripture, but I guarantee you know, Martha probably gave her that look like, like, you know, like one of those looks like, you know, I mean, you know, not, like, not the stereotype, but really, go have a way to communicate with, like, eyes. You know what I'm saying? There's, like, ways to say things with the eyes. I'm sure, like, was giving Mary the eyes, like, you know. But Mary said no. Her no to that situation was able her to say yes to Jesus. Have a hard time saying no. I have a hard time saying no. I'm in recovery. Please, a holiday. It's been probably like 20 days since the last time I've someone. You know, like we go through this season because we don't let them down, or we feel like obligation, we feel like we have to always say yes. But sometimes we need to say no. Mary said no. It's brave to say no. And Mary was the one that wasn't anxious because she said no. Martha was the one that was anxious, distracted by all the details. In the Greek, the word worry actually means divided mind. Think about that for a second. Worry in the Greek means divided mind. So when you have a splitting headache, you're probably worried about something, right? It's actually in the Greek divided mind. Your mind is split between what's now and what's then. Or maybe what's now and what was. When we were, we are split in two. Sometimes we're focused on us and then doing or becoming. Don't let your mind be so divided. Maybe you need to say no to something. Maybe you need to say yes to something else. And I love how Jesus phrased this. He said, Mary had discovered it. It's not always easy to see sometimes. Sometimes we go through seasons and there's this journey to it. It's not always A equals B equals C. She discovered it, which means there's probably been times when she missed it before. And if she missed it before and she discovered it now, we may have missed it before, but maybe we can discover it now. The, the amazing thing about Jesus is that he always seems to be on time. And I think whenever you're around Jesus, I think time is almost like on pause, in a sense. God will wait for you. You know, they say when Moses saw God in the burning bush, some historical rabbi said that the bush was always burning. It just took that long for Moses to stop and notice it. I think God sometimes is a way of getting our attention and God will wait for us. He's that perfect gentleman. And when you think about those moments when we're becoming and we're under construction, I think of this. Things that are of value are under construction. If it doesn't have value, you what? You tear it down. You have value. And if you're going through a season where you're under construction, means that God has a plan for you and He's not giving up on you. Mary knew her worth. She knew that she was more than just waiting tables and getting ready for dinner. She knew she was somebody. She knew whose she was. She understood that she was a disciple. And this whole idea of how we see ourselves in the light of. How God sees us and God's purpose really crystallized for me when I completed my master's program this fall. I'm in this season where I'm still teaching, but I finished my master's and I'm kind of like in this weird in between phase. And I started looking at jobs to teach. I was like, well, I can teach here make a little bit more money, or I can teach there and make a little bit more money. And then I was like, wait, I've got a degree. Why am I still looking at the same job? I'm looking, I want to go for administration, I'm going higher. And so I started looking at these other jobs, and in my mind I started get that imposter syndrome. Like, you're just a teacher. You're just this. You're just that. I was like, No, I'm qualified. I have my master's with honors, by the way. I had to say that because I barely graduated Bible College, right? And it's interesting because I was was having an interview, and they were talking about how they needed a GPA above three. And they're like, We we can take your undergrad or your grad. I was like, Oh, please take my grad. (laughs) I'm like. You don't want to see my regret. I was just happy to graduate. But it was a whole mind shift for me to see myself as qualified. Some of us don't see ourselves as qualified because we think of all the things we've done wrong instead of thinking all the things that Jesus has done for us, has done for us on the cross. We are qualified. You are qualified. You are able to be in the room and sit at the table. You have a seat and Jesus is waiting for you. Mary discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. Oh, don't you just love that? Like, I love how Jesus just, just has our backs. Because I think there's times when we do get to those seasons where we, we, we do grow, we do progress, and aren't there people that say, you're not bad. I don't, like, that. I am not know, like, that's you. Like, and then people want to hold us back. But God raises us up. Thank you for that. You know, and so in this story, we can either identify with Mary, or we can identify with Martha, being consumed with doing, being consumed with being busy. And here, and so I did some research about being busy. Because maybe you're sitting there thinking, "Like, am I busy? Am I Mary? Am I Martha? Like, where, like, where am I on that scale?" So this some research according to, to one study. Here are six signs to know if you are addicted to being busy. You want to know some of these signs? Here we go. Marcus, are you listening? All right. Six signs to know if you are busy. Addicted to being busy. Number one sign to know that you are addicted to being busy, FOMO. Fear of missing out. If you're the type of person who has to be there to be at that party, you know that FOMO is a big reason for you. All right? Number two, Simon, if you are addicted to being busy, avoid negative emotions. Some of us are busy to mask what's going on inside. Alright? If we're busy, if we got stuff going on, like if we, if we if there's something we're trying to like, ignore it internally, we'll just work a couple more hours. We'll just answer a couple more emails. We'll just Wash a couple more dishes, you know, whatever it may be, you know. we will we'll find something to clean in the house, you know. I always knew my mom was stressed when she was cleaning the house. All right, things that were already cleaned had to be, like, cleaned again. All right. Avoiding negative emotions. Success. Some of us want to be busy because we want to get that achievement. We want to get that award. We want to get that paycheck. You know, we want to get that the next thing. It's, it's interesting how. Success then leads to status. Some of us want to be recognized. Oh, you work so hard. I see you come early, leave late. You know, you want that status of being that person. You know, and maybe it's not even about doing the job. It's just about how you look doing the job. And then the other one, and this is for anyone that's Italian, guilt. All right. I love my mom, but man, she definitely can sling that Italian guilt sometimes. You know, just you know, just has a certain way, of guilty of you into something. Um, Mom, I love you, but you know those moments. And sometimes even bosses can do that. You know, bosses you can use guilt, or we can use like a more modern term, gaslighting. You know, where people kind of like go do these mental gymnastics to make you do something that you know you don't need to do, but they want you to do it. Guilt, and gaslighting, kind of go hand in hand. And then the last thing is this: some people are just bad at relaxing. It's something you got to work at. Some people just have a hard time relaxing. Because you feel like you could be doing something else, or maybe it's how you were raised. You weren't allowed to relax. You know, my my son is at my grandparents. And um, my mom was like, I thought he was bored. I didn't think he enjoyed being here. But then, like, the day when when I came there, He goes, oh, I love this week. It was so great. I've got to do nothing. You know, sometimes doing nothing is something. Our bodies need to rest. And when those thoughts come in, where it's like, you should be doing this, you should be doing that. No, turn it off. Turn off the email. There was one time, a couple weeks ago, when one of the uh, uh, teacher assistants was texting me over the weekend about, sending her something that I obviously did not need to send her at that time. And like, I was like, do I go down this road? Do I go down this, this rabbit hole answering these text messages? And I, I, I didn't. There was a time I would. I mean, when I was a pastor, my phone was on all the time, anytime. Um, but when I first got hired at my first school, my the first of my principal said was, you need to take care of you before you can take care of students. If you're not healthy, they will not be healthy. You need to be able to say no and have boundaries you know under construction not everyone has that access to you and so I went back on Monday and I said I said hey uh, sorry to reply on the weekends I have to shut up my phone I said I'll answer some on Sunday night to get ready for for Monday but I don't answer questions she said oh I think I should do that too <laughs> you know like she had a hard time turning things off and I think sometimes when we have this tension between being or becoming, Martha was sitting at Jesus' feet receiving. When you're busy, you can receive. Mary was sitting receiving what Jesus had to offer. Martha was so consumed with doing, she couldn't receive anything Jesus had for her. Some of us need to stop. When those thoughts come in, they say, you need to get up. You need to do you need to prove yourself. You can say, I'm already accepted. Jesus already proved it on the cross. I've got my validation. I don't need this. Maybe not yet. Maybe later. It's okay to rest at the feet of Jesus. Mary had discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. I love how Jesus says that. Remember we started this passage about what do I need now? Five words to practice self-care that was in the Washington Post. This question, what do I need now? For Mary, it is Jesus. She needed Jesus now. Maybe for some of us, we can read all the books, do all the things, have the hustle and all that kind of stuff. But maybe what we really need to do right now is simply stop and be in God's presence. It may seem really hard at first because you're gonna have to give up that control, and there's the mean hits of getting things done, and realize that Jesus is already did it, and He's with you, and He's and He's holding you up. Sit at Jesus' feet. Maybe harder times, but it's worth it. You know, because if we don't rest, actually it actually affects our bodies in a pretty powerful way. Um, one study said that sleep deficiency is linked to many chronic health problems, including heart disease, kidney disease, high blood pressure, diabetes, stroke, obesity, and depression. This is interesting. Sleep deficiency is also linked to a higher chance of injury in adults more than teens and children. It affects us more than it does kids. Um, that's why you know you see all those memes like wow, well, I turned 30, you know, <laughs> going out to me, like ends at nine o'clock. You know, you see some of those memes. Um, our bodies change. Listen to listen to your body. Listen to those signs. You know, it's interesting. I got my cell phone here, and we love our cell phones. don't we, you know, we like pick them up all the time. And sometimes you know we. we we, we can just be busy with this. You know, scrolling, you know, just numbing. We'll have a show on, and just be scrolling on our phones. You know, it was interesting. I went up and saw my, my son, he had three screens going on. He had his iPad, his phone, and his Switch. I'm like, Keen, what are you doing? He said, talking to my friends, playing a game, and I'm like, oh my goodness, this is this is, this is is that generation. We, we constantly need to be stimulated. But it's interesting. Um... There's actually something on my phone that talks about battery health. Our phones have something called battery health. And there's something on our phone called an energy saver, where you can make your battery last longer. And one of the ways that you do this is you go to energy, um, you go into your general settings, I'll, like what you notice for this later on, huh? and then you go to this is interesting. Background app refresh. There are apps running in the background of your phone that causes your phone to drain quickly. When you put it in an energy saver mode, it turns off all the other apps so that they won't refresh and they won't update. And I'm thinking, wow, are we like our phones? How many thoughts? How many apps are in our mind that we don't turn off? And we can't relax. There's a bump on a phone that turns all those apps off so that the battery can be healthy and last longer. We need that for us. And how we turn that off is not doing more, but being with Jesus. He is able to be our energy saver. He is that one thing we need right now. And I love this verse as we close at mercy, so you can come. As we talk about Mary and Martha, doing or becoming, busy or being, what's some of those things in our life that we need to stop? What are some of those thoughts that keep coming that have no value? our focus or distract us that we need to just turn off. I love how the message paraphrases this, this part of Scripture.